You're listening to the St. Mark's Podcast for January 21st, 2024, the third Sunday after the Epiphany. Today's sermon was given by the Reverend John Kennedy. It's based on Mark, chapter 1, verses 14 through 20. Good morning. It's really nice to see you all today. I've been spending more time at the Y lately, the YMCA, of course, specifically on the treadmill and on the display screens of many of the aerobic machines there, as well as I think posted throughout the building, uh, I've been seeing a phrase, commit to fit for 2024. This is obviously an encouragement to make fitness, specifically at the Y, a resolution for the year 2024. And apparently I'm, I've made this resolution as well, although I didn't really think about it consciously. Um, and that makes sense, right? We're still at the start of a new year, and, and resolutions are quite popular. And perhaps the classic resolution is fitness after all the holiday indulgence that, that many of us partake in. Uh, fitness is such a, a resolution at this point and in this place that yesterday uh, I went to hopefully get a, a quick treadmill session in, and I couldn't. They were all taken. Uh, so I got on a bike instead. Nothing against bikes. Um, bikes are great. Other pop res- popular resolutions are, of course, things like making time for family, drinking less, traveling more, getting organized, uh, learning a new skill, things like that. Why is it that we want to make New Year's resolutions? Well, sometimes this desire might grow out of a sense of insufficiency or dissatisfaction with ourselves or or the state of our lives. Uh, We might sense a gap between who and and where we are and and who and where we want to be or uh, maybe at least feel that we should be. But other times we might simply wish to learn, uh, experience, or accomplish something new like scuba diving or whatever it might be. In any case, I think our resolutions, our making of resolutions, express hope for the future, for a greater fullness of life in the days ahead, in the time ahead. After all, such hope is really maybe the only thing that can make the passing of time, the turning of another year, good news in any way, rather than simply another reminder and measure of the shortness of life. Our lifespan can feel like, as today's psalm puts it so well, like a fleeting breath. And perhaps New Year's resolutions are an attempt to redeem the passing of time. Now, I mentioned this phrase, commit to fit. Well, I saw another phrase recently, this time on a piece of mail from a quarterly magazine on faith and society called Plow, which I subscribed to in the past, but somehow in the reshuffling of my life from Cleveland to here, uh, I I let my subscription go. And the phrase on this mailing from Plow that got my attention is, another life is possible. Another life is possible. I think this expresses the underlying hope behind, beneath our efforts to change ourselves, to improve ourselves, 
or our lives, and, and certainly of efforts that we might make to improve, change, even transform our societies, our communities, and to help heal our world in some way. This idea that another life is possible is also, I think, Jesus' message in today's passage from the Gospel of Mark. The passage tells us about the very first day, the beginning of the very first day of Jesus' ministry, of his active and public life. We are told that this began after John the Baptist was arrested. So it's as if to say that Jesus was waiting, he was biding his time for the right moment. And now that time had come, that John was sent to prepare the way for the Messiah, and now in some way John's work was finished. And so Jesus' work was now to begin. So as we hear, Jesus comes to Galilee. Right before this, he had been in the wilderness, being tempted, and perhaps in some way being made ready for this work. He comes proclaiming the good news of God, saying, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. Now, these are the very first words spoken by Jesus in Mark's gospel. So they must be important. What do they mean? Well, if someone were to walk down Main Street or or up Elm Street saying, Repent and believe the gospel, what would you think they were saying? What would you think they were trying to communicate? Very likely, it would be something like, give up your life of sin and become a Christian or recommit to your Christian faith. Now, of course, Jesus wanted people to stop sinning. I think that's fairly obvious. But repentance means much more than that. The Greek for repentance is metanoia, and it really just means a changing of mind. And this might, and indeed probably sometimes should, involve feeling sorry for some things that we've done. But more importantly, repentance or metanoia is a literal revolution of our orientation in life. It means a real 180 of our outlook and our direction, a turning about or a turning back, a reversal of oneself and one's life. So it's at least as much about what we are turning towards as much as it is about what we turn from. And Jesus was calling his people to turn toward this thing called the kingdom of God, which, as he says, has come near. And I know the language of kingdoms and of God as king might sound archaic or even irrelevant to some of us living in the 21st century as we do. But the idea of God as king was really foundational to ancient Israel's existence and identity. God was believed by the Jewish people to be the true king not only of Israel but of the whole earth, of all nations in some way, in some way that hadn't been fully realized yet. And it was thought that the fulfillment of God's reign on earth, the fulfillment of God's kingdom on earth, was the purpose and direction of history. 
And so Jesus comes saying that this fulfillment is at hand and that this is good news. Now, on this first day of his ministry, Jesus doesn't only talk about repentance and the kingdom of God. He doesn't only talk, but he also calls people to follow him right off the bat, right out of the gate. This is wild because he hasn't really done anything yet. In just one day, he picks up four disciples, two pairs of brothers, Simon Peter and Andrew and James and John. All of them were fishermen. And when Jesus calls them, they immediately leave their nets. And in James and John's case, they leave their father behind and they follow Jesus. This is astonishing. I mean, we might not appreciate this so much now, but being a fisherman in first century Galilee was like a good gig. It was stable. It was secure. And in the case of James and John, it was a family business. It had likely been passed down for several generations at least by that point. Because in that culture, a small family business like this could be handed on not only for generations, but even centuries. People knew what they were doing if they were in a business like that. And James and John's father Zebedee was apparently prosperous enough to have hired men, as we are told in the passage. So Jesus was calling them to leave their security and their family, and family was hugely important in that culture, more important than it is in ours. He was calling them to leave all of that behind, everything they knew to follow him unto, into an uncertain future. It is really amazing to me how these four men leave everything to follow Jesus when he calls them, how they go all in, how they are totally committed. Part of what is so striking to me about this is that, back to New Year's resolutions for a moment, we are not always so good at commitment, are we? I saw a statistic that 80% of people who even made resolutions in the first place uh, have given them up or forgotten about them by the second week of February. We're about halfway there. That's actually good news for me when it comes to getting a treadmill on a Saturday at the Y. <laughs> Why is it so hard for us to keep our resolutions, New Year's and otherwise? Is it, as some articles I've seen suggest, an insufficient grasp or application of the psychology and principles of habit formation? I'm sure that's part of it, but is there something deeper at work? Well, life pulls us in many directions. We are buffeted by the winds of the world, as an 8th century English writer put it, or much more recently, as Leonard Cohen put it, the world is all forgetting and the heart is a rage of directions. The world is all forgetting and the heart is a rage of directions. We are tempted and distracted by so many things in life. And on top of that, there is something within us that often seems to resist our own growth. We often prefer to be comfortable and stay with what's familiar, but of course, growth, the unfolding of our potential, the road to the life we long for and the road to the life that God calls us to is often uncomfortable and unfamiliar. So given all that, it's, it's hard to change. 
So what made the difference for Peter and Andrew, for James and John, these fishermen who leave their nets and their father to follow Jesus? Why were they able to change in that way, so dramatically and in a way so permanently? Well, we might be tempted to think that they were drawn in by Jesus' message, but staying with the story as Mark is telling it, Jesus hasn't said much about his message yet. He said, repent and believe in the gospel. The kingdom is at hand. That's it. So he hasn't unfolded a plan. He hasn't really talked much about what all of this means. He is just beginning. So what is it that made the difference for these four fishermen? Well, it seems that it might be as simple as that they encountered Jesus. That Jesus has a magnetic, holy energy. And that when he looked at them, they were irresistibly drawn to him. That he was a person unlike anybody else they had ever seen and encountered. So as we are still new into this year of of 2024, perhaps along with other resolutions that I hope are going well for you, we might add another to encounter the holy magnetic energy of Jesus and be transformed by it. There are many ways in which we can encounter Jesus. Among them are what we're doing right now. We're gathering as Christ's body. We are being fed by scripture and the breaking of the bread. We have a great podcast that can help you with your engagement with scripture that that I, of course, recommend, revved up for Sunday. We can do this by walking more closely and intentionally with one another as the body of Christ and, of course, acting in love for the world in Christ's name. There's another way which is expressed so beautifully in this morning's psalm, which says, For God alone my soul in silence waits. Silence is so important for us. It's important purely in natural, physical terms when there is too much noise in our lives and in our environment, noise pollution, our mental health suffers, our physical health suffers. Uh, Children don't learn as well. This is all very well scientifically documented. We need silence to simply be uh, alive and healthy Uh, and thriving. But in a spiritual, theological sense, we need silence to really encounter God in the most powerful way that is available to us. There's something almost magical that happens when we really settle down interiorly. The holy, magnetic, irresistible one who called the fishermen also calls us. We encounter him in the depths and quietude of our being. And so this is a very, very worthy practice, and I, of course, commend it to you. We might also think about what are the nets in our lives that God might be calling us to leave behind? I find this to be a challenging and really interesting question because the life that Jesus called the fishermen 
to leave behind was not a life of sin. It's not a bad life. It was a good life. But Jesus was calling them to something else, in a way to something more. And it's possible that God might be calling some of us to something more, to something else than the good things and the good lives we are already living. It is challenging to discern what those things might be, and it's perhaps more challenging to act once that discernment has been made. But in any case, at the start of this new year, may God give us the grace to turn towards him with everything that we have, with everything that we are, and to hear and answer the irresistible call of Jesus. Amen. can find more sermons on our website, www.stmarksnewcanon.org.